ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಚಿಮಿರಂಧಸ್ಯಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಕಾಯ Okay, now uh, going back to questions for the T12 interview. Are devotees of Krishna Hindus? Well, from the exoteric perspective, uh, devotees of Krishna would certainly appear to be Hindus. The, uh, yeah, the, the uh, core elements of Krishna consciousness are... Uh, easily identifiable by pretty much all Hindus. Uh, if we talk of, uh, for instance, puja, it is a term that all Hindus uh, are well acquainted with, a, a, a term, a concept and a practice that all Hindus are well acquainted with. And the same is largely true of terms such as kirtan, guru, sadhana, prasada, bhakti. So, uh, from an exoteric perspective, Krishna consciousness can be classified as Hinduism or part or an element of Hinduism. But understood uh, ontologically, pure devotional service to Krishna transcends all uh, material designations. Uh, materialistic people want to put everything want to classify everything within their minds in various categories so that they can understand various phenomena according to their uh, preconditioned notions of the nature of reality. But actually, Krishna consciousness is the uh, intrinsic characteristic of the soul. And although, it's, uh, although the activities of Krishna consciousness in many ways uh, resemble those of the practices of materialistic followers of what is called Hinduism, the essence of Krishna consciousness is, be is beyond material understanding. The uh, rituals of Hinduism are generally followed by Hindus for the sake of uh, invoking what they presumed to be God or gods for the sake of uh, uh, getting from such gods various material benefits. And thus Hinduism in general can be understood to be a, a phenomenon of this material world. But the worship and rituals that are offered to Krishna in pure love are actuated by the pure consciousness of the soul by perform by performing activities in krishna in krishna consciousness the same activities that materialistic people may do for material benefits one is lifted to the spiritual platform pure devotional service means to be free from all material desires to do to perform all activities for the satisfaction of krishna so pure devotees of krishna perform various activities of worship simply for the pleasure of Krishna. This is on the purely spiritual platform. And uh, materialistic Hindus perform similar activities, but with a completely different motive, materialistic motive. So that is why externally Krishna consciousness and Hinduism may appear to be the same. Although in essence Krishna consciousness is uh, far more exalted than any 
mundane religious activity. Now the next question. Uh, many people believe that there is no one true religion and that all of the traditional religions contain truth and that as long as one practices a bona fide religion they all lead to the ultimate goal of life. Many Hindus today share this view and are therefore happy to embrace or even convert to other religions since they are seen as fellow believers in the divine. What is the Vedic answer to this view? Well, if you say that all traditional religions contain truth, you should be able to say what truth is. Uh, and if you say that all traditional religions lead to the ultimate goal of life, you should be able to say what the ultimate goal of life is. Again, uh, in religious practices that advocate animal slaughter and various other sinful activities, how can you say that they're on the same level as those that don't, for instance? And if, if, a, if a so-called religious practice cannot delineate what the truth is, then how can it be said to be representing the truth? Of course, there is this idea that ultimately the truth is something subtle and undefinable, and that various religious techniques uh, are of no uh, particular significance in themselves, but are just techniques to awaken that indefinable consciousness of the one ultimate truth. This understanding, or rather misunderstanding, is in, again impelled by the uh, uh, concept of the ultimate being impersonal. Therefore, Vedanta Sutra begins by saying, Atato Brahma Jignasa. Now one should inquire into the nature of the ultimate reality. So this uh, Brahman, in, to which one is enjoined to inquire, is uh, often considered to be ultimately indefinable and impersonal. But if it's indefinable, how can you inquire into it? What is the meaning of inquiring into it? The very term Brahma Jignasa uh, means that there's something to there is that which is discussable, conceivable, to into which one has to inquire. Yeah. So this uh, this idea that all paths lead to the same goal uh, is uh, illogical, to say the least. How can you say that? Uh, I mean, even even materially, even materially, the to go from uh, Kazan to Moscow, you have it's a different road to the the road that will take you to from Kazan to Ekaterinburg. Different activities and different methods in all different, in all various fields lead to different results. How can one say that the, uh, the Vedic culture with its very uh, deep level of knowledge of spiritual reality uh, is the same as some religion in which they have no idea of who is God, or even the fact that we get body, that we get reincarnated, we get body after body after body. Next question: What are the similarities and differences between Vaishnavism and other Vedic traditions? Well, uh, the the answer to this it could be encyclopedic. And uh, I invite the, the persons who are interested in such questions to actually take them seriously. 
Do not ask such questions simply out of intellectual curiosity, but to very seriously inquire into the nature of reality and to understand our ex existential position. Who are we? Why are we in this world? What is the meaning of life? Don't ask these questions as an armchair intellectual. Be serious. So, briefly, uh, Vaishnavism means to accept Vishnu or Krishna as the ultimate object of worship, as the uh, ultimate reality upon which all else in existence depends. And other Vedic traditions are many, and I'm not going to even attempt to outline them here. Is it true that in Hinduism it is simply up to one's preference or spiritual feelings to determine which form of God one worships? Is it true yeah. that in Hinduism... Now one point is uh, the term Hinduism. It's, uh, it's very difficult to define because it's very difficult to find any term that will cover every uh, sect or subsect of Hinduism. Another point is that Hindu is not the original term which was used for followers of Vedic culture. Uh, Hindu is a uh, foreign term given by Muslim invaders, which uh, Hindus have adopted. But it's, um, So you could say that Many Hindus believe that it is simply up to oneself to determine which form of God one worships. You could, you can say that many Hindus believe that. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's correct to do so. But again, what many Hindus believe is correct doesn't is not the proper subject for inquiry. One should be interested to know the truth, not simply to un to study some ritual processes of religion. Next question. The Vedas propagate the Varnashram social system, that is, the so-called caste system. Can you tell us a bit about this system and how it fits into Krishna consciousness? The original Varnashram system is what is not what is now called is not what is now called the caste system. The, the Varnashram system recognizes that <clears throat> there are different classes of people. Some people are naturally inclined to be uh, intellectuals and uh, very uh, spiritually minded people. Some people are naturally inclined to uh, be leaders of society and uh, to be warriors. Some people are naturally inclined to be uh, to mercantile activities and agriculture. And uh, some people are, are naturally inclined to various arts and crafts. And some people, are, they, they're actually, uh, they prefer to be in a position where they can uh, simply perform some uh, simple activities, uh, serving others without any high ambitions like that. So the Vedic social system aims at uh, recognizing the propensities uh, of boys in their youth and, in, and training them accordingly so that each person can uh, maximize their abilities without being uh, artificially uh, 
trying to make everyone into this uh, the same or artificially giving everyone the same kind of education the the, the varnashram system also prescribes various stages of life uh, according to one's age so the beginning of life is student life the second stage is um, married life during which uh, the the fertile period where um, giving uh, giving birth to children or uh, what's the word uh, begetting children uh, then from late middle age uh, gradually withdrawing into retired life and for those who are uh, most qualified and eligible for it there is uh, in the final stage of life complete withdrawal complete withdrawal from uh, social activities for concentrating on spiritual activities. So this all works with the understanding that the ultimate goal of life is spiritual realization. So it is a system meant for cooperation, not for exploitation, in which everyone can maximize their material propensities for the... uh, uh, and in this way be personally satisfied and best contribute to human society uh, and at the same time everyone cooperates not just for material uh, benefit but everyone uh, can make the, the whole aim the whole organization is aimed toward the understanding that or uh, that human life is ultimately meant for God realization okay so the next question in the West, it is often said that one cannot become a Hindu because Westerners are not born into a caste. Is it necessary to be born in a caste to acquire one? Uh, I don't want to speak more about Hinduism. I'm not an apologist for Hinduism. And that covers the next question also. What is the state of the caste system in contemporary India? Is the tradition still alive in India today? Uh, these are all sociological questions. Where Go see a sociologist. Some of our readers believe that the modern world is in such a dire state that it is virtually impossible to practice genuine spirituality. What is the best form of living in the time of Kali Yoga? Can one practice spirituality while living in a city, working, working at a normal job, a family, and so on? And is it still possible to live traditionally for those who are in such circumstances? Again, you're using terms... Genuine spirituality. What do you mean by genuine spirituality? First, one should know what it is before one uses such terms. Genuine spirituality, for your information, uh, if, if it can be practiced in any time, place, or circumstance. Because by its very nature, it's not limited by anything material. What is the best form of living in the time of Kali Yoga? What do you mean by best? I mean, first define what you mean by best. Is the question's too vague. Can one practice spirituality while living in a city? First understand what spirituality means. Spirituality means to understand one's position as a spiritual being and having uh, intrinsically no relationship whatsoever with this material world. So, uh, the, the Vedic literature gives... Uh, powerful spiritual practices that even in this uh, very materialistic age can uh, 
lift one to and maintain one in the spiritual position. Specifically, the chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is the recommended process in this age for spiritual realization. And one can certainly do that while living in a city, working at a normal job, having a family, and so on. There are literally thousands of people all over the world who are chanting Hare Krishna. And uh, in other ways, uh, and uh, apart from their spiritual practices, their general life, you could say, is uh, that of a member of modern society. They're businessmen, farmers, office workers, and so on. So in any time, place, or circumstance, one can and should uh, dedicate one, one's life to Krishna, make Krishna the goal of one's life. So the, the question, is it possible to live traditionally for those who are in such circumstances, living in a modern city, working at a what's called a normal job, and so on? Well, I mean, clearly, those uh, the modern life is not traditional, so it's a bit of a silly question. But the essence of the best of traditional life, which is to pursue self-realization, can be pursued in such circumstances. Why are devotees vegetarians? Because Krishna is a vegetarian, and we only take food offered to Krishna. Apart from that, uh, eating meat, fish, eggs, garlic, onions, etc., uh, severely uh, degenerates the consciousness, which makes it impossible to have a general, genuine spiritual improvement especially uh, meat from slaughterhouses uh, is, is, is extremely sinful to indulge in this. So is there any hope of restoring tradition, including traditional society? If so, how? Well, the goal of life is not to restore tradition. Traditional society with Krishna consciousness is more conducive. Uh, tr- tr- yeah, traditional modes of living are more conducive to pursuing Krishna consciousness or the ultimate goal of life. But uh, even the modern materialistic society of Krishna consciousness is practiced within it is uh, a, a better position to be in than to live in traditional society without knowledge of the ultimate goal of life. I mean, if we see uh, many ancient traditional people, they really had very little genuine spiritual knowledge. So what's the value of that? What's do you want to restore traditional society? What you want to restore, for instance, Viking culture? Do you want? What does that mean? You want to restore, for instance, Viking culture? Viking uh, from from Norway? Yeah, yeah. That was a traditional culture. What's the value of that? The, the, first, the goal of life should be defined. So uh, definitely, the present society, which is. Uh, highly materialistic and which is uh, largely detrimental both to physical health and mental health uh, is it's not a very conducive society for the well-being of any living being including non-humans so one one of the aims of the Krishna conscious movement is to restore a more traditional simple mode of living uh, agrarian based life but the aim is to uh, live sim- simple living and high thinking. Without high thinking, simple living has no particular value. 
so that can be restored by, uh, first of all, understanding, one has to understand the, the necessity for that, or its desirability. And then, well, you just have to go and do it. Uh, you can't expect just to change the whole world all at once. But individuals can take up that lifestyle, and uh, that can grow into a larger movement. Living on the land, producing one's own food, being content to live with many of the, uh, without all the gadgets offered by modern society. And there's other people see that uh, this is a, a better way of life, they may wish to join it. Propaganda may also be made for that. But uh, precept without practice is not very convincing. Someone has to do it, actually. Some of our readers are interested in revolutionary political change as a means for restoring tradition. What is your view on this? Does Gorya Vaishnavism have a role to play in this? Is the last question. Well, if you're talking about violent revolutions, such as those that took place in uh, France, Russia... In China, with the idea of radically changing society quickly, the Krishna Conscious Movement does not at all advocate this. But we do advocate revolution by revolution of consciousness. Raise people to a higher level of understanding. The idea that there's a certain class of people who require to be eliminated uh, is leads to uh, genocide, as we've seen in France, Russia, China, Kampuchea, for instance. The real problem is not uh, any particular people, but the exploitive mentality that they have. Communism was supposed to uh, make everyone equal, but uh, because the Killing the, those who were the major exploiters didn't remove the exploitive mentality from mankind. And so we ended up with uh, some animals are more equal than others. I don't know if you can translate that into Russian because of its, its, uh, <laughs> it's, it's from Animal Farm, actually, by the same author, George Orwell. I mean, in modern life, if we want to physically eliminate all the, uh, what we could call the bad people, then there probably would be hardly anyone left. And the very idea of, of killing the, we are right and kill all those who are wrong leads to a, a bloodlust. Uh, you know what I mean, bloodlust? Yeah. Mentality, we just get, you just take pleasure and killing, which has, has happened in France in particular. France, Kampuchea. So yes, let's have a revolution. Definitely modern society is in need of a great change. It's in, uh, it's in serious trouble. It was hoped that by science and that by widespread education, mankind, uh, or life on this planet would become uh, superb, but in actuality it's become disastrous in practically every way that one, that can be imagined. So all man-made speculate, all 
man-made speculations about how to improve things have been failures. So let us find out what is God's plan for us and live accordingly. When I say God, I don't mean, you know, this idea that my God is better than your God, but understand actually who he is and what is his desire for us. The Krishna Conscious Movement presents a comprehensive knowledge of God and of how, yeah, of comprehensive knowledge of God and of how he directs us to live in this world in a cooperative manner uh, so that we can all make progress toward the ultimate goal of life, which is to get out of this material world, which, however traditional you make it, is uh, still uh, is intrinsically miserable due to the ever due to the ever-present miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease. So the aim of life is to come out of this material world and go to the spiritual world, which uh, is described in the Vedic literature as being uh, like the uh, ideal traditional society, living with Krishna uh, and his boyfriends and girlfriends in uh, uh, idyllic rural bliss. Hare Krishna. Any further questions about this? Yes. Speak loudly, so don't speak to me. Speak to that wall at the back. All right, I'll speak in the mic. Better still. Speaking about uh, traditional way of life and tradition, uh, we argued with one devotee uh, who should, that uh, women cannot lead Kirtana. So, uh, devotee was arguing that when we have deity greeting, this Kavindam is sung by a woman, so it is possible. But uh, I argued that my spiritual master, Shilaprabhupada, doesn't want Madhavis to read Kirtan in the presence of men. So what is problem? Well, when Shilaprabhupada was asked about that, he said it's it's not just one woman singing in the Govindamadi Purusha, but it's a chorus of it. Srila Prabhupada wasn't wholly against women leading Kirtan. Um, but the general norm, at least when I joined the movement in 75, in fact, I joined the movement in 1975, and I don't remember during the years from 75 to 77, or for many years after that, that women ever led Kirtan. Anyway, we don't want to get into a whole big, you know, anti-woman thing here. Uh, but traditionally, in not only Vedic social life, but in most societies throughout the world, women had a somewhat subdued role, subtle role. Um, of course, we have the modern phenomenon, phenomenon of feminism. And actually, I would like to promote feminism. What is called feminism is is actually uh, masculinism, attempting to convert women into masculine roles. But if if men live like men and women live like women, that's better. If everyone understands that we're all eternal servants of Krishna, that is best. But there, the male and female roles are different, obviously. And to recognize that and live like that is... Uh, it just makes 
life smoother. Yeah, anything else? All right, then, when I only have one more thing to say, and that is, can you guess? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thank you very much for coming here. Unfortunately, the festival was uh, finished early. Bad luck. It was not unpredictable. Anyway, we'll go on chanting Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.